The text for the sermon this day is taken from the gospel lesson, which was read earlier. Grace, peace, and mercy to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Nowadays, if you were to hear a, a siren blaring during the day, that would give you the s- signal that there was a tornado coming. And in case you do not know, that's, that siren is also used in the event something were to happen that has never happened in this country for us, is if there were ever a military attack. See, the tradition of a siren is actually going all the way back to ancient times where they had a particular individual that was known as the watchman. The job of the watchman was to stand upon the tower and he was to watch out as far as his eye could see. And if he were to see an arriving army, an invading army, he was to sound the trumpet. And if you were to hear the trumpet and you were to ignore it and just sit back and relax as if nothing were to happen and something were to happen to you, it would be your fault. However, if that watchman were keeping watch and he saw the invading army, and he did not blow the sound of the trumpet, and somebody were to be killed, the blood of that individual would be on the hand of the watchman. See, God has given you watchmen, or overseers, as Paul would call them, of your souls. Those people are your pastors. Now I say your pastors in the third person, and the reason is because this is kind of a weird sermon to preach because I realize it is a little bit self-serving. But on the, other, on the other hand, I say your pastors because you have two pastors. And on top of that, we are not your first pastors. Most of you have had at least one other pastor in your lifetime. And... And the reality is, eventually, one day, you will have another pastor. We might, maybe we get a call to Wrath of God Lutheran Church in the middle of nowhere, Nebraska, which is a running joke amongst pastors. And we say, hey, I like Wrath of God, and I'm, it's time to move on. Or maybe retirement or whatever. 
or the thrill of being whatever career, whatever might draw us away, and you'll have another pastor, and the, the truth will still hold for that new pastor that he is your watchman. He is the overseer of your souls. And exactly what that means is reflected in today's gospel lesson. Jesus is speaking to his apostles, the twelve. The, less, the reading that you hear is directed specifically to the office of the holy ministry. The word temptation is taken from a Greek word that is known as called, it is scandalon, which you could hear the English word scandal. The type of temptation that Jesus is warning against is not like temptation, temptation to lust or temptation to steal, temptation to lie. This is actually a scandal or a stumbling block. He is referring to false teaching. The reality, he says, in the world, there are scandals to sin are sure to come. So in other words, in our world, you are surrounded by all different kinds of ideas, all different kinds of teachings and doctrines that are constantly trying to attack your faith and constantly trying to lead you astray. You hear it in movies, you hear it in TV, you hear it from the news, you get it from social media, and you can get it, and by the way, you can also get it from books that call themselves, that are quote, that are Christian books. You can get them from Christian movies. All of them are ways that you can become scandalized. They are all source stumbling. All of them have the potential to bring stumbling blocks. And those stumbling blocks are designed to attack and destroy your faith. In this text, Jesus, though, says... He's not concerned about the ones that come from outside. He is concerned about what comes from the overseers. He says, woe to the one through whom they, the scandal, comes. Woe, that is the strongest of condemnation. And if you have any doubt of that, he says, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were cast into the sea, then that he should cause one of these little ones to be scandalized. And when he says little ones, we automatically think that he's talking about children, which to some degree he is. But he's actually talking about anyone who is immature in the Christian faith. See, this is the reason why as pastors we are called, a pastor is called to protect the flock. This is why we are concerned about doctrine, concerned about what is taught. The Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy, who was a young pastor himself, he said, keep a close eye on the teaching or your doctrine, for in so doing you will save the, your life and the lives of your hearers. In our culture, we, it is taught that we are to not care about what is taught. We are not to care about doctrine. 
They will say it is more loving to just say everyone is right. Let's just agree to disagree. And yet, Scripture says exactly the opposite. It is, is it loving to give something that can destroy your neighbor? If that means avoiding conflict? I'm going to tell you, pastors don't like conflict. In fact, pastor, in fact, if a pastor likes conflict, they probably shouldn't be a pastor. Because the whole point of a pastor is we're preaching about the coming of peace. And I don't mean peace like you good emotions. We're talking about peace and tranquility between people, namely between man and God. So the very idea of conflict is very much the opposite of the news that we come to bring. And yet we are still called to rebuke and stand against false teaching. To stand against the scandals. This is why when it comes to, for example, for worship music. Now when it comes to a hymn that's in Lutheran service book, it's kind of easy. Why? Because they've already gone through doctrinal review. And while there are some hymns that are stronger than others, the, jo- the work has already been done. But if the hymn, and note, I, just because something is a hymn doesn't mean it's safer. And just because something is a contemporary song doesn't mean it's more dangerous. Both, of the, both a contemporary and a hymn, we have to examine it. And look to see, is this consistent with what we believe is taught and confessed in Scripture? We don't, it doesn't matter how wonderful and beautiful the song is. The song may be absolutely gorgeous. But if it teaches something contrary to Scripture, it is, we are to say no. And the thing is, you're saying, well, well it's beautiful. Well, there's a lot of beautiful Muslim music, too. Should we start praying, singing Muslim songs? No. See, the thing is, is when it's engaging and it carries falsehood, the scandal is especially dangerous. This is why when it comes to children's ministry, I know it's kind of a stress. There are so many good, so many programs that have such wonderful, engaging material. But some of them, what is taught, is not consistent with what we believe, teach, and confess is taught in Scripture. And again, the charge that Jesus gives to a pastor, who says, I don't care, it's whatever. He says, woe to you. It would be better if a millstone were hung around your neck and you were dropped to the depths of the sea. Jesus does not mix words. He he is not gentle in that charge. And the reason is, is because pastors are supposed to know better. If you read through the scriptures, remember the woman caught in adultery? Who was it that Jesus focused on? Did he focus on the sin of the adulterer? No. He was focusing on the sin of the leaders. Because the doctrine and teaching that they were expressing was not the doctrine of our Lord. 
He condemned that even above the adultery. He didn't say the adultery was okay. He even told her, go and sin no more. But his primary concern in that moment was the false teaching. In fact, the entire, if you were to take out, if you were to get rid of every concern about false teaching in the New Testament, you wouldn't have a New Testament. They were all written in reaction to false teaching. So we are called to be overseers, to be watchmen. This also, so this also means when false teaching arises, when sin arises, we are to rebuke. And by the way, this also means elders. They are supposed to know, an elder is supposed to be familiar with the scriptures. Familiar with the Lutheran confessions. So that when a pastor is going off the rails, they will know it. And say, hey, Pat, they are, they are to come and rebuke the pastor when what is preached is inconsistent with our confession. And say, hey, pastor, knock it off. If the pastor repents, you restore and forgive. If you repent of your sin, if you repent of, a, of an error in teaching, if you repent of any sin you committed, whether it be lying, stealing, disobeying your parents, whatever it may be, and you bring it to the pastor as his watchman, as his guardian of your soul, he will say to you, and by the way, you could come to the pastor privately. It doesn't matter how many times you sin. It doesn't matter how great the sin is. Because the pastor isn't going to say, you know, I already forgave you last week. I can't forgive you again. Not just as if you go to a doctor, the doctor's not going to say, hey, I treated you last week for a sprained ankle. I don't care how bad that cough is. I'm not going to help you. Doctor's not going to do that. And a pastor is going to forgive you, tell you that in the stat and by the command of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, that is, by the blood shed by Jesus on the cross, your sins are forgiven. You are washed, redeemed. That every sin that you have ever committed, no matter how grievous it is, no matter how long ago it was, it is forgiven. And the pastor, when he pronounces that forgiveness, he is carrying out Jesus' command in John 20. Whatever sins you forgive are forgiven. And by the way, every Christian has that authority to forgive sins of another. Every Christian, someone could come to them and say, hey, I have sinned in this way. And you could pronounce that on account of the shed blood of Jesus on the cross, you are forgiven. The difference between a pastor and a layperson is a pastor is bound by vow. Whatever you say, somebody could come, to, a police officer could come up to us with a warrant and say, tell us what they said. It would say, what are you talking about? I have, I have no idea. And by the way, even the Supreme Court says we are protected at this point. Whereas if you tell a layperson, there is no vow. They might keep it or they might put it on Facebook. So that's why the pastor is there as one you can trust to confess your sins. 
This is a gift that God has given us. And the pastor, is he to demand praise? No. We are merely unworthy servants, bought by the blood of Jesus. And by the way, our LWML ladies should recognize these words to some degree. That bought by the blood of Jesus, in gratitude for his life-giving sacrifice, we give our hands, our feet, our mouths, our heart, our minds to the service of Christ. And yes, it is appropriate to, while we don't demand things, we don't demand praise, it is appropriate to still say it, to say thank you to a pastor. Because here's the thing, as Paul says, whatever is noble, whatever is worthy, whatever is just, think about such things. So in other words, anything that is worthy of thanks and praise Say thank you. While a pastor should never demand it, never insist upon it, it is helpful. Because like the disciples, we say increase our faith. Every now and then we need to be reminded that, because we sometimes wonder, what's the point of all this? Why am I doing this? And every now and then it's nice to get that reminder that we've been moving mulberry trees and had no idea. And there are many, many times that those are the things that keep us going. They are the ways that you minister to us. And so also we give thanks for the ministry within our congregations. On this LWML Sunday, can't help but say of the LWML. Thanks for the work that they do whenever there is a funeral. We are a congregation that has many funerals. And they are there, ready to serve the meal. We think about the way that the altar area, altar space, is always set up. Some points of the year, we're constantly changing. One week, there's some weeks you change it three or four times. Holy Week is quite a workout for our altar ladies. And yet they do it. Come Christmas, you're going to see it's a very beautiful place. Ways that they serve and make this place appropriate and fitting for the worship of our Lord. We think of the service to the community basket, the service to our shut-ins, the service to, the, to those who are sick. We think of what is done through these mites. I encourage you to go grab a mite box. They're right on the table. Grab one. And just put little, bit of ch- little itty-bitty quarters or whatever. I guarantee you, you all have pocket change that you don't know what to do with. I'm giving you a solution. And you could put it in your mite, your mite in there. And that will build up to over $2 million. What is it, $2.1 million? $2.1 million that go to missions such as Water in the Word for rural schools in Kenya. At-risk young women in Africa. Mobile Medical Mercy Mission Bus for Guatemala. Restoring hope for Detroit children and families. If you want to see any of the 21 missions that are served through those coins, you can pick it up. There's a list of all of them. Ways that through the Lutheran Women's Missionary League that God has serves people, serves the mission of the church. 
And for that, we give thanks. We give thanks for any and all who serve in our church. While we we give thanks for those who teach, we give thanks for those who bring music. We give thanks for the way that God serves and gives his word. But as we receive that thanks, our reaction should be just as Jesus said. We are unworthy servants. We have only done what was our duty. Because you see, we are bond servants. We are bought by the blood of Jesus, bought by his sacrifice, redeemed by sin, redeemed from sin, death, and the devil to live in eternity. And as his redeemed, blessed children, we only do work and serve in duty, in gratitude, with our hands, our feet, our mind, our energy, whatever it may be. In Jesus' name, amen. The grace, peace, and mercy of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, keep you in the one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Please stand.